Friday, and that means bring it in with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Basketball day and night. Who can complain? <laughs> you, you've got college basketball. You've got NBA. It's just a lot happening right now. And I wanted to jump off, Coach, with the scoring barrage that we've been seeing in the NBA of late. Um, Kyrie Irving, a couple in, about two weeks ago, had 50 in Charlotte on super efficient, like something like 14 or 15 shots, and then crazy like that. He comes back, drops 60 the day after Carl Anthony Towns dropped 60. In between there, Kevin Durant drops 53 on the Knicks. Uh, Trey Young has two 45-plus point games. Last night, Sadiq Bey dropped 51. LeBron, of course, had his two 50-plus games. We're just seeing a barrage of scoring. I know you have some thoughts. Well, I know you do, too. I want to hear yours <laughs> as well. Um, my first question, I have a question, is, is this abnormal? I don't know. I don't know if it's abnormal. I think anytime we see these large numbers, everybody gets excited like, whoa, what's going on? Why are these guys scoring all these points? I think in the case of Kyrie, what is advantageous for him is what you and I talk about all the time and Henry is, wow, wouldn't it be great if players had all this rest? Look how much great things they could be doing, right? I mean, he plays basketball once every, I don't know, on average four days, <laughs> like five. Yeah, well, when you can do that, you got lots of juice in the tank. You can do some pretty amazing things. Yeah, I I don't remember. I honestly don't remember anymore when he went off this last time. I don't because I've done so many podcasts. I don't remember if, we, if I did it with you or not, but um, or Henry even. But um, I had I had the game on mute, and I had other games on, and I my son's in town with two of his teammates, and we're watching games and we're talking, and I just noticed one guy was running at full fast forward, and the other guys were in slow motion, right? I didn't know he scored what he scored. So, so, but here's what I'm wondering. So, of course, I agree with you, and and I've been talking about this a lot. Um, so, one thing I'm wondering about is, uh, is it because of social media now, where numbers are so passed around and shared? Like, I, I when I first graduated college, I was a writer my last year for UPI, which was the you know the the rivals of AP. AP ended up winning in America, mm -hmm. but back then it was fifty fifty. And because I did some work for them, uh, they gave me like a hotline number, Gerard. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. I, I actually, I graduated college. I lived in, I lived on, on the beach for the summer. And I would call that number just to hear to scores, dude, mm -hmm. with your voice, basically <laughs> tell me what happened the night before. And I loved the NBA back then. Not like I do now. So, uh, and that's how I found out how people did whatever. And then, it, but it was lost in the gossamer, you know, unless you followed a certain team or it was in the playoffs. And so I don't know. I don't know now if what you're saying and what you've been writing um, is because of that. Uh, I have some thoughts, though, regarding if it isn't the case. In other words, if the data does not show that this is pretty common late in the year, I watched Sadiq Bay's 51. <laughs> 51. Sadiq yeah. Bay. Sadiq Bay. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's the Detroit's version of Desmond Bain? Yes. A shooting muscle man that might be able to be a professional in multiple sports. You know what I mean? <laughs> Basketball might be the last one you would choose that he'd probably make it as a pro. Yep, Boxer, yep. wrestler, football, mm -hmm. rugby, mm -hmm. very strong, powerful <laughs> athlete, right? Um, I, I was amazed that Orlando didn't figure out that he was hot. <laughs> and I'm not kidding when I tell you that his final points came from the free throw line when seconds to go in a blowout, game was over, he was still in to get his 51, uh, 
The Magic had three guys on him to the point <laughs> where the Magic announcer even said, they've got three guys on him. Of course, I'm thinking, well, where has that been? <laughs> so I think part of the problem for defenses is a complete lack of awareness from either a staff, the coaching staff, or the players on the court to recognize this guy is on fire. We need to make someone else beat us. This wasn't the Warriors playing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This was the Pistons without Cade Cunningham. <laughs> right. <laughs> so nothing against those other players, but right. I would have tried to make them. Like I watched, I watched Kobe's 81 because mm-hmm. I had a client on the Raptors. And I blamed Sa- – sorry about that. I blamed okay. – I blamed – I thought I turned it off. I blamed <laughs> Sam Mitchell mm-hmm. and, um, and the team for like, you guys didn't realize he was on fire? Mm-hmm. Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? So I think that's part of the issue, Gerard, is the, they're just in their own head. Yeah. The, you know, magic are terrible. Terrible. Uh, you, you, and here's the other part, and then I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I also think that our guys are more skilled now than ever before. Yes. We, you and I have talked about this. And, and they, they're, they're weaponized in a way they've never been before. Yes. And, and it's not fair for me to take the credit, but as, the, as supposedly the guy that started player development mm-hmm. as a business, mm-hmm. and now everyone's got five of them. I'm not even joking when I tell you that. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk to players, and depending on what city they're in, they've got a guy. Mm-hmm. Now, most of them aren't really teaching the game. They're rebounding and passing and doing drills. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of good teachers, if not master teachers. And so, I mean, Sadiq Bay made some tough shots. Sure did. Okay, and he's not an all-star. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day he will be. Detroit has a chance to be good down the road. And so this combination, Gerard, of lack of awareness by defenders, lack of awareness by coaches, uh, meaningless games for these teams. Orlando has nothing to play for. They want to lose. Yep. And more weaponized players than ever, especially, as you mentioned, the best players in the world, guys like Cat and Kyrie and LeBron. That combination is resulting, I think, in what we're seeing. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I'd love to look at the data and see if that says that late in the year we have these kinds of scoring barrages. I think a lot of those points you make are correct, right? Yes, Orlando stinks, so they just gave up, you know, 60 to Kyrie and 51 to Sadiq Bey. But to your point, there is so much more skill in the NBA now than there ever has been in any point in the NBA's history. Um, You know, I think back to guys like Bill Lambeer, Mark Eaton, and, you know, some of the other big men of the 80s. And I'm not, I'm not, and the, the late Mark Eaton, who died recently, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, I, I'm not denigrating those players. Right. They played in the NBA, and they, but their roles at that time and what they could do was very different than what Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and these centers of today do. The skill level is just so different. It's night and day. Those guys wouldn't have a place in today's NBA in so many ways, right? Because it's like, look, man, if you can't shoot the ball, if you can't do these, yeah, you can rebound and defend, but if you can't get out and switch and do some other things, we got problems, right? And so now that you have everybody weaponized to your point, I think we're going to see a lot more of this, right? Just numbers you only thought only only two guys in the league could probably score 60, right? Only five guys, only, I mean, each team probably has a guy, maybe, you know, maybe not every team, but just about every team has a guy that can go up and score 60, right? That's That's where we're at now, and that may not have been the case back in the day. That probably wasn't the case. So Henry is writing, I think it might be coming out today. I'm not sure. He's writing something about the book regarding Dirk Nowitzki. Mm -hmm. And um, he called me when he first got a copy of the book. And he said, you're not going to believe this, but there's a chapter called Basketball is Jazz. Yep. So he read 
it turns out I didn't know how long it was. He read to me for a while. It was five pages long, he said. Uh, and when it was over, I said, he wrote this in his story, at least before it's edited out. Maybe he just sent me the original. I think he sent you yeah, I did. Yep. a draft. Yeah. I don't know what's going to be in the final copy, but he wrote that um, my reaction was, that's the greatest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I don't remember saying that, but it sounds like me. <laughs> uh, and then Henry said, David, I really thought you might be a little like, like possessive or jealous that he took your chapter. I, I didn't feel, I don't own those words. <laughs> I do own basketballsjazz.com and all those kinds of things. <laughs> um, and, uh, but in, the, in these pages, Gerard, this is going to get right. To, you'll see where I'm going. Uh, his brilliant coach and teacher explained to him that uh, the way basketball is played, you don't stop when there's a mistake. You, you, you figure it out. It's what's next. Well, that's mm -hmm. why basketball is jazz. There's, there's an off note. Well, let's make up for it. Mm -hmm. um, if you study improv, you have to just be agreeable. The, 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 your partner does something that kind of catches you by surprise, go with it. So I think what's happening frequently in these games with so many players that don't really know how to play yet, especially on these bad teams, obviously, that something goes wrong defensively and they don't know what to do from there. And so they don't yet even understand, well, that's Sadiq Bey who's on fire. And so to me, that's a failure in mission statement from the coach, which is, if all else fails, let's make sure we take away their best weapon. And in this particular game, Orlando, Detroit, it was Sadiq Bey, who I think had close to – I didn't keep track of the scoring. I watched all of his scoring on Synergy, mm -hmm. and it had to be near 20 in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Like the guy was just nailing yeah. it and attacking and scoring. Mm -hmm. And so it, it should dawn on you. And I will tell you that I've talked to college players – who would say after a game the same thing, like, I don't know why our guys didn't, who got, the guys who weren't in the game or were resting, whatever, or guarding someone else, why didn't we react to this guy who was just so hot? This is, this is uh, a problem yeah. because there's, the court is so spared out, spaced out. Mm -hmm. You have to guard a lot of things. And that's also the other thing is it, the fact that everyone is a better weapon your best weapon can get off even more mm -hmm. if defenders don't realize, I just got to take that away, which is yep. what I think in the playoffs, you won't be seeing this in the playoffs. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, no. And it's funny. It, these, these videos and, and pictures have gone around the internet forever. You'll watch spacing of a game in the eighties and you'll watch spacing of a game now. And it's like, you, the only way you would know it's still basketball is the fact that there are these things 10 feet above the ground with circles and nets hanging from it. Otherwise, you're like, what is this? This doesn't even look remotely the same, right? The game was played in such tighter quarters 20, 30, 40 years ago than they are now. It's so much harder to cover ground now. Um, speaking of, to your point, college and, you know, different, different game. My, that's a different game than the NBA. Woo. You're, yeah. you're watching some players in college. A piece of yours came out earlier this week. We talked a little bit about it last week. Or on Monday, Chet Holmgren, you're watching uh, the kid from Auburn, Jabari, you're, you're, and Paolo Bancaro at Duke. You're, you're watching some guys. Uh, what are some things you've been seeing so far day one of, of the March Madness tournament? Besides the upsets, of course. Sorry, Kentucky yeah. and UConn. So we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to the actually the general thoughts on the, college, on the college game in a second. So the only guy that has played of, my, of the guys that I covered, which was Jaden Ivey, Chet Holmgren, Kofi Coburn from Illinois, who's not projected to be a, even a draft pick, and uh, and Paolo and Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga played, mm -hmm. and they were in a fight. They yeah. played 16th ranked, 16th seeded Georgia State, the the lowest seeded team in the total tournament because Gonzaga I think was the number one overall seed. Mm -hmm. My friend Rob Lanier, I've known him a long, long time. He's a head coach at Georgia State, very good coach. 
And um, I, it, I don't know if you saw the game, but Georgia State's uh, big man got hurt. Mm-hmm. When I say big man, 6'7", 6'6", yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. big man for them. Mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren, 7'1". Uh, and, and then their, their power forward, Rob played him in the first half when he had three fouls, got his fourth foul, got his fifth foul, 10 or so minutes to go in the second half in a four-point game, a game that Georgia State had led a lot. Gonzaga was up four, so now they're out, they're out there without their best center, and now they're out there starting power forward. He has five fouls, and Gonzaga immediately scores 16 straight points. Game's over. They're up 20. Game's over. It was a hell of a game it was. <laughs> until that point. And um, so Chet had – Chet flirted with a triple-double with block mm-hmm. shots. He had seven mm-hmm. blocks, I believe. I think he had five assists, too. Um, 17 points, whatever. 15 rebounds. I don't know. Some big number. Yep. But uh, – I want to hear what your thoughts are on him because <laughs> he, I wrote about it. He's, he's obviously incredibly talented. All the metrics, Gerard, mm-hmm. suggest he's the top player in this draft mm-hmm. based on those advanced metrics that guys right. like Kevin Pelton do. I don't rate him as the top player. Right. I rate Jabari Smith, but that's right. the best prospect. But, and I'll do a deeper dive when the season's over. Um, he's so frail. Yes. His legs are so thin. Yes. I, I worry about that position. Um, gain, putting on strength and weight and now being injury prone. I yes. think it's a fair concern. If you told me he was going to train to be Kevin Durant, he won't be Kevin Durant, but to be a small forward, mm-hmm. I would say, okay, that's interesting. Right. Because he won't have to get as big then. Yes. And uh, that might be because he can shoot the ball and he can dribble mm-hmm. the ball. He's mm-hmm. just nowhere nearly as quick as Durant was at this right. age. What are your thoughts? So it's funny you say that because I watched the game and I said, you know, because you had mentioned it uh, last um, on Monday, on Monday's episode, you're like, Gerard, rail thin, said to Henry, rail thin. Coach, this is college and it's it's what it is. He was getting tossed around out of position like a ragdoll. I was like, this is against Georgia Southern. I was like, you think you're in the NBA? Those dudes are going to, Stephen Adams is going to like break you in half the minute he just like throws his shoulder into you. So to your point, he ain't playing the four or the five, that's not going to work for him. Um, everyone does that thing, that comparison to Durant. Anybody who's tall and skinny that can shoot, next Kevin Durant, right? It's like Imani Bates, right. all these people. And it's like, guys, be better about this. Just because you're tall and skinny doesn't mean you're Kevin Durant. Durant was a <laughs> walking bucket as a, probably a 16-year-old. Never mind, a 19-year-old. Um, Holmgren has skills. He's not, he's, Durant walked into the NBA and scored, was averaging 20 plus points a game day one. The minute he walked into the league, I don't know that Holmgren's good enough to do that right now, no. right? He, he, he's not good enough to do that. So if he, to your point, trains to be a version of Kevin Durant, play the three, maybe. But to your point, he's not as quick. That While he has handled, not as tight as Durant's. Even Durant's got better as it went on, not as tight as Durant's was coming in at this stage. So I think he's got some work to do. Yeah, I mean, he, he is, his model, I didn't write this. I mentioned his name, but I didn't write that his model should be Tim Duncan. Uh, I, I saw Tim when he was in college in person, I think he was a rising junior the year I saw him and he, he was very skinny, but not, not skinny like this. This is the skinniest great basketball player I've ever seen in college that I, that I can remember. <laughs> he makes Tayshawn Prince look fit. <laughs> and I saw Tayshawn in, in college. Um, that, that being said, he, he can really play. He can yeah. really play. He has a great feel for shot blocking. He can shoot threes. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Smith and those guys. We'll mm-hmm. revisit next week on, on these. Hopefully they're all still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, Chet, 
there's some concern there. You know, yeah. he's just, I, but I think he'll get stronger. I yeah. just worry about the injury yeah. part. I worry about the injury part. That's for all. sure. And, you know, it, it, we talk about this all the time, coach. It, that, that frame, even he gets into an NBA program, he's going to put on more weight, et cetera. It's not going to happen overnight, right? He's not going to jump in to a, to a camp this summer and all of a sudden be 30 pounds heavier come October. That's not how this works. 82 games on that frame? That's also concerning, right? Four games in five nights. Like, it's, it's a lot of wear and tear. So, yeah, and this is another, another bullet point and proof point to be like, hey, NBA, should we think about lessening the season a little bit? Give these guys a little more space so they can recover and then train up again? But, you know, what, what do I know about anything? <laughs> um, you are watching college basketball, and you have a, a, something you want to say to people about how they should be watching the games. Well, actually, before I do that... Um... You you watch? Did you watch a decent amount yesterday? A little bit, not a ton. One of the issues college players had, they have lots of issues, but one of the issues <laughs> is, and, and it's funny, I'm watching these games. My son's here with these two teammates who both played six years, and they're brilliant guys. One guy was got his bachelor's in advanced mathematics. The other is a has getting his master's in meteorology. Who uh, could have gone anywhere in the country academically? Very bright dudes, very very good players. One of the kids here had a double double by halftime in one of the ACC games this year. Pretty nice. impressive. Or, or maybe a you know twelve and nine or something at halftime, um, and we talked about it. Uh, you know, Coach Hamilton is a is a pros coach. He his arms are folded a lot. He works the referees a little bit. He's not histrionic. He's not yelling and screaming and running up and down. Well, these coaches are manic. <laughs> I mean, the guy from uh, UConn, uh, Danny Hurley, is on the court yeah. all the time. I tweeted. I wanted someone just to dribble, to pull a Jason Kidd, dribble into him. Please, <laughs> knock him down. Don't hurt him. But draw a tech. I mean, what are you doing? And so our players, are, our college players already play foolishly. Right. They're already, right. already going 100 miles an hour almost all the time. Right. But their coaches are all ramping it up, right? yelling and screaming. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just, you give them time to think. Oh, like, man. you should be able to say, I did my work in practice. And then gently guide them. Yeah, right. yeah, and so it's it's unsettling to watch the way these guys because they know the eyes are all on them. It's a show for them, mm-hmm. and they keep getting paid for it. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and the truth is, they're winning games not because of that. No, that's no. what they should be getting paid for. Yeah, just stop trying to be the center of attention. You are the players are already playing for free. Yeah, <laughs> right? can, we, can we let them be the center of attention in the game? Yeah, and yeah. so it's I don't I don't like watching. But do you see that at all? Yeah, coach, it's funny you say that because a buddy of mine sent the text to a little group chat and he said, which college coach would y'all want to play for? And I remember being like, hmm, that's tough. And I'm like, y'all know me. Grown men screaming at the top of their lungs and like turning red in the face and like yelling and like that. Even as, even as an athlete, like those kinds of coaches, I tune those dudes out immediately. Like I just like that doesn't work for me. Like, I just don't like, like, what are you doing? Like that's. You want to like get animated or whatever. Like we always say this coach practice is the time where you're really yeah. getting this on game day. When the person has to perform, that ain't the time for all that. <laughs> like you want to work the referees. Fine. Knock yourself out with all that stuff, but all that like hooting and hollering. And I just, especially for like, you're a grown man. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's not, that's not the way to, you know, if the player's already tense, you think that's going to make them less tense? Probably not. <laughs> you know, I also don't like the way they treat referees. It really, it really bothers me. I think it was the Wyoming coach was just so – he got a technical, deservedly so, I thought. And he was just – the way he treated those officials as if as if they were like um, 
less than him bothered me. Uh, I, I'd like to see, I like to see professionalism. Coach your guys, handle mm-hmm. yourself in a classy way. Uh, uh, get these players. You know, there's a, there's that story on, on ESPN about pop where he brings Manu, uh, wine at one mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do that in college, but, um, right. but you can bring donuts, yeah. coffee, you, you know, a burger, the bridge to them that way. Yeah. Don't bully them. Yeah. And, and, you know, watching, I, I rooted so hard for St. Peter's. <laughs> it's so funny. Everyone was saying that all day yesterday. Yeah. St. Peter's. Everyone's like, fuck Kentucky, whatever. Yeah. I, I think it's funny, right? So everyone, America loves, quote unquote, the underdog, but really only when it suits America. And I can talk about that at another time. Yeah. And we, it's true. Early in the March, in March Madness, underdogs work. People love that. But I promise you, if the final four is St. Peter's, uh, George Mason, New Mexico State, and whatever, I don't know, whatever these lower seed teams in, no one's watching that, okay? So we love underdogs and upsets early, but come final four time, you want to see people you know and programs you know. that, And that's been borne out over the, the years of March Madness. That year, George Mason made the final four run, one of the poorly, most poorly rated final fours ever. You want to see stars and people you know. That's because nobody wanted to watch my Gators whip some ass. That was, that was their first championship. George Mason's run was, I believe that was the year that my I believe Gators, so. Yeah, they, they upset yeah, UConn that year. Um, yeah, I just, I was just running against Coach Cal. I just think he's, you know, he's a good coach. I, I, you know, people think he's this amazing coach. He teaches the game actually pretty well, mm-hmm. but the evidence is where it is. Like, they're overwhelmed with talent every year, and they've won right. title, and that's great. A lot of right. good coaches have none, but – um, they've fallen flat. They've fallen flat in their face. And they were a very good team. St. Peter's played great. And, and, you, and I tweeted this out yesterday. The difference in these teams are, is so minuscule. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, normally, the blue chippers make the difference. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't mean they definitely will. And sometimes they got to grow up a little bit. But they didn't in Kentucky's case. St. Peter's had any blue chippers yep. in Kentucky. It, and, and, and we saw what happened. And all over the place. These episodes yeah. happened for a reason. But it's also a single elimination tournament, right? Which means yeah. you have a bad, you have a bad three, four minute stretch. That might be it for you, right? Like that's just that's just the nature right. of how it goes. Do you think? And we don't have to talk about like why, what you know about Cal, but do you think it's because Cal's guys, most of them come in and it's that one and done, and like they're not really like I'm here to get to the next level, and so the idea of winning a national title at Kentucky is not high on their priority list. You know, it's a great question. Um... It's, it's a good thing to wonder. I, I know some players that have transferred from Coach Cal, one in particular, and, and he did not like it at all. Um, I think – I know when Jimmy Johnson was at Miami, because they know this because he recruited one of my players. I think I've talked about it before. Like, he would tell you, you better be out of here in three years because I'm, bring, I'm bringing a better player than you every year. And so you better make room for him. Either you're gone or you're going to be second string. So hopefully you'll be a first-round pick and we can, we can replace you that way. Um, that's, a, that's a harsh – thing you know i I think those players all love each other i think you know the culture there is probably fine i don't think it's exemplary Mm. and um but but you you, you've got to perform and with him yelling and screaming and the things that he does and he talked at halftime arrogantly i thought about benching the kid because he wouldn't shoot the ball well that then it's going to get him more confident (laughs) you know i understand playing time is a great motivator but that not in that kid situation so i don't know it it I don't enjoy watching these games all that much. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to see my brother this weekend and we'll probably watch some games, but um, I probably have the worst. 
I think I'm the bottom bottom six percentile in ESPN's bracket. I've not done a bracket probably since my son probably started doing brackets when he was eight. So I stopped yeah. doing then just root for his. Yeah. And just for fun yesterday, I did it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just and I just picked my friends because I'm not going to root against my friends just so my bracket can do better. Right. Right. It it, it it did not go well for my friends. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Bottom six percent. I put it on Twitter. Like I'm not embarrassed. That's hilarious. Um, but I had a root. You know, I had a root for Akron. I had a root for San Francisco. He's are well, mentored, that's that's the challenge when you have when you're when your friends right. are coaching 16 15 and 14 teams it's like right. well you right. know i might win some <laughs> i might and, not. I, and my dumbass picked kentucky because i kept hearing i didn't watch them play a second all year right but i kept hearing about the defense they played and i saw tennessee play and they put some defense on you kentucky not <laughs> so, um, i think your point though is great uh there's a reason why the highest rated college game of all time is bird versus magic mm. sorry right? When is, it's not, it wasn't Indiana State. Right. Yeah. It was, it wasn't, it, it, Indiana doesn't have the best. It's Indiana State. It was Bird and Magic. Right. Period. End of story. Stars. So luckily, there's enough good players where I don't think we'll see. I mean, St. Peter's hasn't ever been considered a mid major. Right. It's a low major to my mm-hmm. understanding. But um, a couple of those stories are great, but normally they get ground down. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just not as deep typically. Yeah. And, um, and so one tweak, one little injury, one fatigue factor, and they just can't make it past yep. round two, round three, you know? So speaking of injuries, um, yeah. a, a tough one out in uh, the Bay Area. So the Celtics and the Warriors played on Tuesday night and – or what, Wednesday night, excuse me. And that was um, a game coach that everyone was kind of looking forward to, right? Celtics playing super well on defense. The Warriors got Draymond back. Let's go. Second quarter, loose ball, Marcus Smart dives on the ground. Steph Curry goes after the ball as well. And in the dive process, um, Smart Smart rolls onto Curry's foot and he tears a ligament. We learned from Champ Serrania. He's now out indefinitely. His Warriors say no major damage. Uh, and their hope, but he's out indefinitely. Their hope is he's back uh, for the playoffs. Of course, an injured left foot for Stephen Curry that severely cripples your title chances. No pun intended, right? I mean, no Curry you're not winning a title. That's no just, chance. That's yeah. just how that's going to work. Um, first on the play, I didn't think it was dirty at all, coach. Like Marcus Smart, his superpower, you talk about people have his skills, right? Like competitiveness and playing hard as a skill. Marcus Smart's superpower is his intensity and how he plays defense and gives up his body. That is his superpower. Much like Steph Curry's superpower is his shooting ability. Um, I if I watched the play a bunch of times. He just looked like he locked in on the ball, tunnel vision, and went on the ground. And after the game, Draymond said, I mean, I expect Marcus Smart to make that play. We've been taught at every level. And there's a ball on the ground. You get on the, you get on the floor and go after it. Um, he did. Steph didn't. I imagine if Steph dove first, one, the injury doesn't happen. Two, Marcus Smart gets called for a foul. What did you think of the, of the foul? And then now the Golden State Warriors and, and, their, and their future. All right. So I'm super sensitive to this because my son had a severely fractured ankle on a very similar play, although it wasn't, the ball wasn't on the ground, but uh, he was late arriving to a ball, I think because he played too many minutes all season and, but still was picking the ball up like around knee high and a dude made a, what I call, and this is the key point. I don't think it was a dirty play in the case of my son and Marcus Smart. It was a reckless play. Uh, and the guy just took my son's legs out, and we have it on video. You hear, you hear my voice saying he broke his ankle. I could see it right in front of me. Worst, worst moment of my life, probably one of my worst, anyway. Um, so I don't think Marcus Smart made a dirty play. I completely agree with you and Draymond. Uh, I think he made a reckless play, but we don't have rules against that. 
So the, the play Pat Bev blew up Russell Westbrook's mm-hmm. knee. Mm-hmm. I, I watched it live on TV. And um, Pat, uh, uh, Russell was calling a timeout. Pat Bev thought he could get away with something. Mm-hmm. Smashed knees. Mm-hmm. And knocked out one of the three most important players of what I thought was the best team in the league, along mm-hmm. with Miami. And that mm-hmm. was that. They beat that one that they won that round against Houston and then lost the next round to Memphis in five games. And it was a reckless play. And so unless we legislate against reckless plays where you are potentially injuring a superstar or anybody else, I don't see how we can tell Marcus Smart not to make that play. But Marcus, you know, what we're talking about here, and this goes to the core of what we do as coaches, as much as anything else, is we are trying to get young, in my case, young men, I didn't coach women, to not think about their bodies, but think about the possession, gaining possession, protecting possession at, at, at the risk of your head or your knees or your legs or ankles. And we don't consider the other person as long as it's within the context and confines of the rules. That being said, in that league, Steph Curry means dollars. And so, and now not. And so I think, like I said, it was a reckless play, but I cannot hold Marcus Smart. I cannot punish him because he played within the rules. Did he, did he even get called for a foul? No, because it, it, it wasn't the fact. Because it wasn't a foul. Like, exactly. He, <laughs> he went for the ball. Like <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So think about this. It wasn't long ago, Gerard. Now, this is something no one's talking about, and maybe no one should. Maybe I'm wrong. It, it, it wasn't long ago, and you'll know when, somewhere in the last number of years, where if you swung to block a shot and missed and hit the guy on the head, mm-hmm. it might have been a foul, and that was it. Well, mm-hmm. It was a foul. They may not have called it. If you got the ball clean and hit him in the head, now it's a flagrant. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do anything even by accident. And that's something people miss. And Henry and I have talked about this for years when they first made the rule. I love the rule. We mm-hmm. need to protect our guys' heads. Mm-hmm. Don't do I have to teach players every offseason. Don't do anything that might result in you hitting another dude in the head. Yep. Because that's a fine or whatever, flagrant. We might see a situation where you can't make a play and people are going to bitch and moan, but – they, they bitch and moan about protecting quarterbacks in football, and they're making a couple of dollars still right, as a league, all right? We might have to be a situation where if your play ends up injuring another player, there's a penalty for it, and then Marcus Smart wouldn't necessarily dive. I'm not saying we should do it, but I don't want to lose Steph Curry on a loose ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, know, I know what Draymond said um, – you know, he, he, Draymond said, uh, you, first of the floor and all of that, and, mm-hmm. and you made a point. Yes, it's true. Maybe if you dive, he doesn't get hurt. Well, I agree. He wouldn't hurt his ankle. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I actually know my flesh and blood got a broken collarbone mm-hmm. for diving on a loose ball first, and then a dude recklessly said, fuck it, it's a fumble like it was football. Crack. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. with a little sophomore, this kid's a big senior, broke his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So um, I was very proud of my son for diving, knowing he might get hurt, and he did, and he was fine. Um but my son isn't worth any money. He's just my son. <laughs> Steph Curry's worth the money. So the league needs to consider reckless plays. And I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure I'm right when I say it was reckless. I'm only saying it was reckless, not dirty. But I'm not. I may not even be right that it was reckless. It might have just been a dumb accident. And right. we can't overreact to dumb accidents. Mm-hmm. That would be unfair. So I think it's worth looking into. I hate that if we don't have Steph Curry in the playoffs, it would suck. Yeah. 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 I don't um, lose ball. And 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 your your coach 
your, your son coach is worth more than money. He is invaluable to you and your wife. So that's why that, that's why that's where that is. <laughs> so, so look at, at the Warriors, right? Like what, 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 what do they do now? I mean, I, I like that they were, they were starting Jordan Poole and Curry together, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, and Clay Thompson. And then if you get Draymond back, that gives them a kind of a different look. Now I think Poole's gonna have to carry them for a little bit um, offensively, which he showed um, that he yeah. he's kind of capable of doing that. But again, to your point, postseason if Curry's not there, this is just uh-huh. they got nothing. <laughs> no, they, yeah. So yes, it's gonna help Jordan Poole out. Maybe Wiggins will get back on on flowing a little yeah, bit. He needs to. Uh, yeah. Maybe they'll bring Weissman in and, and explore some of that. He looks good in the G League. But yeah, I mean, yeah. If we're talking about winning a championship, it's not even they're not in the conversation. They won't win a series without him. They won't win. The West is good. The yeah, the, the, speaking speaking of the West, if the yeah. seeds hold currently at yeah. as the way they are, Memphis Grizzlies are two. The Minnesota Timberwolves are seven. They got the play in, but let's assume they win their first and they're the seven seed. Am I right to be nervous about that first round matchup of Minnesota and Memphis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're twelve and three. The last fifteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I think that's right. Their net rating is very, very good. I don't know how many good teams they've beaten. I didn't look at their schedule. But um, they've got Carlton Towns. You know, uh, that's that's a – Steven Adams doesn't want to go guard him out in the perimeter. He can score inside. Um, they're playing well. Uh, overall, I think Memphis has a big advantage in that they're so much more experienced after what they went through last year. That, mm-hmm. that counts for something. Mm-hmm. Um, those five games against the best team in the league last year in Utah during, mm-hmm. at that point. Then they started getting hurt. But I think it'd be a six or seven game series as it stands today. Yeah, I, I, I just, Cat, I mean, we've said it for a long time, right? Cat's just maybe one of the more talented bigs we've seen in this league. And he seems to be playing with a different kind of purpose and, and moxie. And, you know, Coach, we always look at this stuff in body language at times, right? So in that game against the Lakers, which I know it's the Lakers and they stink, but whatever. There was a play late in the fourth where... Cat was like down in the perimeter, down in the post, and LeBron like fouls him, and like you know the, the ball falls out, and Cat just kind of like throws LeBron off him, like, and I was like, oh, and was like had a bit of just like walking with his chest out, and I was like, oh man, if Carl Anthony Towns has the attitude and belief that is commiserate with his actual skill set, that's a monster. I mean. Then he, I mean, he he needs to do it consistently. But then you're talking about someone who's playing and who can play on the level of Embiid and Jokic, right? Because he's that talented. And if he's doing that, they're going to be a tough, tough out. Yeah, so you're talking to someone that three games into his career, I tweeted out, I believe, that uh, he has more upside than Anthony Davis. I mean, he does. Sounded, <laughs> sounded stupid when I wrote it. <laughs> sounded stupid years later. But now... I mean, I still think AD is better this age overall, mm-hmm. but um, it's really close, and and he's starting to peak. And fortunately, he just was drafted by a terrible franchise <laughs> that may start to be digging out. Um, but yeah, that's the you know, it, just like we're talking about with college game, the, the the blue chippers can be the difference maker in even series. That's why they're the blue chippers. And I've I've told the story before. I saw Grant Hill uh, beat the Gators in the Final Four when the starting center was my high school player. And we had him beat. He just—he was just bet we had nothing for him. And he knew it. He was a senior at that point. He had been to three straight Final Fours. Mm-hmm. So this was number four. 
Um, yeah, I just was blown away. And uh, I think that I think maybe maybe this was his third Final Four. I forget. It was in the Final Four, though. Um, I know Leighton went to four Final Fours. Cat, uh, you're right. What you just said is right. Embiid, Jokic, like he's of that ilk as he continues to ascend. So, um, but wow, what a, you know, when it's, when a three, when a two, seven series or three, six series, it'll be two, seven. Is that good? You know, postseason is beautiful. (laughs) That, I mean, that's, that's what we want as basketball fans. Uh, I saw something interesting Wednesday night coach when the Mavericks played the Nets. It was second night of a back-to-back for Brooklyn. Um, You talk about your game plan is let anybody else beat you. Right. Well, Brooklyn, I thought, you know, played a hell of a game uh, against Dallas, who's been, been playing really, really well. The end of that game, I thought that was the right defensive strategy. So Durant hits a three with 10 seconds left. They're up. I'm like, all right, cool. And we, we have, maybe we'll have this game. Then they know 10 seconds left. Ball's going to go to Luka. Anybody else on that team's got to shoot the ball but him. But don't sell out too early so that they can have a clean look. Force the double late so you make a rushed pass into a rushed three-point shot that is contested, right? And that's ex- exactly what happened. The double came late. Rushed pass from Luka. You saw the way Dinwiddie cut, caught it. He kind of had a turn, and the, the shot wasn't on balance or clean, and it was contested by Dragic. Made it anyway. But I thought, look, that's basketball, right? Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. And I think as a team, that's the play you do. That's the defensive strategy you call, I don't know, every single time. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've written a little bit about the idea that defense is blackjack. And so uh, uh, you want to try to force them to hit on 16. So your defense should be built on, on making them draw in 16. That doesn't mean they're never going to get 20 to 21. And the, the challenge with defending people like Durant and the Nets as a, as a group, these elite offenses, is you can't make them hit on 16 very much. <laughs> they keep getting 10s and 11s. So you can double down. <laughs> you know, when, and when you can, they're just so good, they tend to draw a lot of fives on that 16. Well, the Mavericks aren't there yet. And, but as you described it perfectly, that's what they did. They got them hitting on 16. And they drew a five. And what I think, and, and the fact that Spencer did it uh, is only interesting because the Wizards got rid of him for mm-hmm. Christoph Porzingis. Which, yeah. A bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. Uh, but Spencer really has seemed to find his, his place in Dallas, huh? Mm-hmm. For sure. And, of course, it, feel, it felt good for him coming back to his former team and hitting a game winner and all that. Um, and after the game, Durant said the same thing. He's like, we, we do that every time. Like, right? I, I went to Luca late for the double. Dinwiddie's like, and then Dinwiddie's like 32% from three. It's like, that, those are the, we take that to your point. That's yeah. blackjack. Yeah. More often than not, we're probably going to win that one. That's right. We didn't if, win it this you time. Go, in a seven game series, based on the numbers, mm-hmm. you, you're going to win four, you're going to win four of seven. But I don't know what Spencer's shooting as a Maverick. I don't know. Um, and, and the truth is, if he hits it that game, they might have someone else come double the next game. Uh, you got to change it up. And just to be clear, you don't want Luca knowing when the double's coming. Correct. But he knows it's coming too. And he, he, he sees it coming. <laughs> he knows it's coming from somewhere. This is the chess match that you're playing. You got to create some kind of doubt in their brains, some kind of uncertainty. It is very hard to do. Yeah, it's yeah very hard for to sure. Do. Um, injury bug still. Uh, the Hawks. So Sham Sharania tweeted out yesterday that Collins has got plantar fasciitis and something else uh and he's out indefinitely look we talked about this beginning of the season or all season really the hawks have been gross underachievers um after that conference finals run last year 
They just started the year with poor energy and it kind of, it continued on throughout. I don't think Nate's in trouble per se, because he didn't forget how to coach, right? It's just that for whatever reason, this team is just not performing well. And again, I said this a million times, I go back to it. Trey is the leader, him starting with that energy of it's hard to find motivation in the regular season. When you're leader and a, I mean, this isn't year eight or nine or 10 for Trey Young. <laughs> this is year three or four. Like you, what do you mean you got hard to find motivation? You haven't accomplished much in this league yet. So, and then when Travis Schlank came out unprompted and said, maybe I shouldn't have brought all these guys back. I was like, well, I, I'm not sounding the alarm bell, but after what they accomplished last season, I don't like what I saw from Atlanta this season. Yeah. Uh, all those points are so valuable. Um, I'm the dumbass who wrote that a championship's coming to Atlanta. I didn't mean this. It, it's, it still could. They got talent. It, it, it still could. It should. But this is the this is what I want to talk about it today. Uh, this is the best league in the world. And and to your exact point about um, Trey Young, uh, I'm quite sure Kevin Durant is one of the more accomplished players alive today. Uh, certainly one of the most that are accomplished that are playing today. He seems to find energy and joy when he plays. <laughs> like you got no excuses, man. That this is this is killer be killed. Marcus Smart personified, and. Uh, Pat Bev and all these guys, like they're, they're built to crush you and you have to bring it right back. So uh, I love reading about people who have repeated as champions and then they call each other on the phone. Like, how'd you do it? Different sports even. It's, and the lightning, you know, we're going for a three-peat here. Mm-hmm. Our coach is a genius. Uh, it, every sport's different, of course, and every coach is different. Teams are different. Personalities are different. But there's still, you still have to have pride. The lightning lost their first back-to-back game they actually like three in a row and i think it had been almost two years since they had lost back to back games what does that tell you wow. like like you know when you wake up we got beat fair and square wake up and atlanta just hasn't done that all season uh except for stops and starts little spurts here and there it's hard and so i think you're exactly right trey young needs to come out when they lose this year in the postseason which they will and say early on like we're coming out for next to quote Adina, mm-hmm. day one, we want to be a one seed. That means we got to grind it every damn day. We got to rest our bodies every day. We got to change our diets, all of that, so that we can win as many games as possible in the regular season. Then you might have a shot, but you yeah. can't take it easy and think you're going to turn it on when you're the Atlanta Hawks. Sorry. Yeah, I don't no, know. It, it's true. Uh, before we get to our top fives, um, I know you saw this uh, former Mavs GM, Donnie Nelson, is suing the team. Uh, because he believes that um, he reported sexual harassment, and that's the reason why he was let go. You know, all these NBA teams, and we've been talking about the Mavericks, there's just so... The, the, the underbelly of what goes on inside a lot of these organizations is not great. And if that is actually the case, if that's able to be borne out, that the reason he was let go is because he reported sexual harassment, bad luck on the Dallas Mavericks. Real bad. Yeah, it's just some... Uh... It's a messy situation all the way around. I don't think he's any kind of saint. Um, but, uh, you know, when you – when you, this all goes back to culture. When you put up with stuff because you're winning, and they were winning for a long time, thanks to Dirk, um, it comes back to bite you, right? I, I always say this when I watch movies, and it's a bunch of bad guys. Like, of course they turned on you. They're bad guys. They have no integrity. <laughs> so it's the same situation I think a lot of offices to include in the NBA. Absolutely. All right, Coach, let's go with our top five. About 14 games left in the season. Yeah, number five for me is Miami. Mm-hmm. Number four is Utah. Mm-hmm. Three is your Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, no, 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 no. Wait a second. Yeah, uh, 
Two is the Celtics, mm. and number one is the Suns. The Jazz and the Mavericks are tied for me at four. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, God, the, the Mavericks are playing so well. So I went Mavericks at five, um, Utah at four, Memphis at three, Boston at two, and the Phoenix Suns yeah. at number one. We, we got them all the same. I, I, it, the Suns, I, no Chris Paul, and they're just still finding ways to win games. That, that, yeah. to, to the Trey, Trey Young point, they yeah. care about every regular season yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, they uh... – you know, because I, as I wrote this last week, you know the, el- the elasticity of this team is a little bit less than some of these other teams, but I just don't love their chance of getting there. And Phoenix is, you know, we know who they are. They know who they are. And they got an edge about them, to your point. They got an edge about them. And I, I don't think that's going to change. No, not at all. Folks, we will see you on Monday, I believe, with another episode of Bring It In. If not, don't worry, we've got something special coming. Coach did preview that uh, special Dirk and Whiskey video we got coming up. We had a great time spending about an hour with Dirk last week. We really hope you guys will enjoy that. Uh, Until then, have a great weekend, and we will see you soon. Peace. Be safe, everyone.